Let's get recording. All right, so yeah, I would just like to, to open it up. Um, I'll, I'll kind of share a little part of, of my testimony of Isaiah first, but uh, just kind of open it up for, for anyone to kind of share. But I think some of the, the main important things that have impacted me the most is the, the, the pattern that there is a descent before an ascent on every step of the ladder. I, you know, I didn't even know that there was a ladder before this, uh, but knowing that our tests and trials, kind of like we studied about in, in Abraham's story, um, but they occur on every level for a purpose and uh, recognizing that I just needed a chart. You guys know that I'm a chart person, right? That, that I just needed that chart to show me what the trials were for and, and uh, that pattern it just opened my eyes, changed my whole paradigm. Uh, I'll never be the same because of, of that specific thing right there. Um, Isaiah has changed me in so many ways, but, but I think that's one of the main ones, um, that and the Davidic covenant, because y'all know I, I love that. But um, anyway, just kind of open it up for you, for you. What, how has Isaiah changed your studies, changed your perspective on the gospel? Um, just kind of share brief little testimonies of, uh, of this great prophet. I have, I love that one chart you made, um, the, the ascent and descent, and then how you like boomerang up higher every time like that. When I saw that, I was like, oh, wow. Like that really stuck in my brain. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah. The chart it's from Isaiah decoded. And I just uh, put it in a, a graph for, for this class kind of thing, but yeah, it, it, it's not my credit at all. <laughs> Um, I love that. that was a really good visual for me, but for most of Isaiah, it's just been a testimony to me that everything's working out exactly how it's supposed to, that this is how it's supposed to be instead of like fearing it or fighting it or being angry about it. Go, oh, this is, it's playing out exactly how it's supposed to. Everybody's showing up, everybody's doing their part and it's part of the plan. And not to be so scared or, you know, be fearful. Um, I love I, I love that. And it's definitely increased my testimony just of um, that our Savior is coming. And this, the world has to descend so that it can ascend. Yeah. And I've thought about it. Like, I've, I've, I've thought about that principle so much that I'm like, People have to do it. I think even wards have to go through that because I've been in wards. It's like, oh, this is, the bishop is horrible or like this is terrible. But I think even wards have to go through that. I think families have to go through it. Like everything has to go through that process to get to the next level. And that has to me has given me a lot of hope for like my family, for my children um, that are struggling and even in my marriage, like I can see, like there's just some times that are just tough and you, you cannot get to the next level without going through challenges. And so it's just increased my faith altogether with the whole thing. It's been a really big blessing. I appreciate all of the, that you've done, Cameron. Yeah, I'm just here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I know I feel a lot the same as Kathy. And um, I think learning about the descent and, uh, you know, 
ascent. That cycle has really opened my eyes on how that plays out in my own life. And I can see it, how it has played out and how it continues to play out um, even like right now. <laughs> how, you know, the Lord, sometimes he chastises you, chastises you or, you know, lets things happen that um, maybe are consequences to things that you've done to kind of bring you down so he can build you back up again. And, and I've been kind of going through a little bit of that. And so, you know, it's been interesting and maybe even, you know, a little comforting to know that, you know, those, those things happen for a reason and, and it, they really do happen for your own good and for your own growth. And, and I think as far as Isaiah goes, I know the last few weeks have been hard for me because <laughs> School started and I have been teaching early morning seminary and also I've been subbing at the elementary and the high school and, and so it's been a lot and, and um, I haven't been able to dive into it the last few weeks as well as I have wanted to but it's been very comforting to me to know that, you know, if we just stay on the Lord's side and do our very best and are aware of what's going on that we'll be okay if we're prepared we'll we'll be okay even though things are going to get bad and we can see that 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 we're going to be okay and that's very comforting so mm -hmm. and also thank you for all that you've done it's <laughs> it's been wonderful <laughs> Yeah, it's very interesting how much work Isaiah takes, right? Like, I think that that was another big eye-opener for me, was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard week after week trying to do, because like we tackled Isaiah Decoded very quickly, uh, one chapter yeah. a week, and then this whole uh, reading chunks of Isaiah was, was a fast-paced one. Like sometimes I would show up to group A going, oh my gosh, I haven't even done half of the reading, but I'm, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just here. It's a good thing I'm not teaching. I'm just trying to lead a book. <laughs> but man, I, Isaiah takes a lot of work. Uh, uh, that was eye-opening to me. I lost my voice, so I don't know if you can hear me or not. Um, but I hope so. My favorite part about this is the testimony has given me in God's plan.
ascend in return. Yeah, thank you. It's kind of like a Christ principle of you have to lose your life to find it kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's how we actually ascend is by helping others uh, ascend kind of thing. Yeah, an amazing principle. Well, I have loved learning um, how, so I feel like if I were to say where I'm at in my understanding of Isaiah, I think I'm a first grader. <laughs> um, but when I started, I wasn't even in school. <laughs> so I went through pre-K kindergarten now I feel like I'm in first grade as far as my understanding of Isaiah um, and at least I can open it up and kind of grasp what he's saying um, and learning how he all the literary devices that's been so helpful um, and years ago I learned a phrase um, that really fits. Uh, I like how Isaiah talks about the descent and then the ascent. And my husband and I were talking about that today. And then I was reminded of this phrase that you have to have a breakdown before you have a breakthrough. And that's kind of the same thing. And <laughs> so today uh, was kind of a rough day. And I feel like when I look back, I'm like, I went descent, ascent, descent, uh, like all day long. Sometimes that happens, right? Where all day or over and over again through the week you go through these up these huge up it's been a really it has been a rough week for me but um i i do appreciate understanding that like kathy and cindy were saying that cycle of up the up and down and the descent and the ascent and and that that is part of the plan that we all even birth is traumatic even the best birth is still traumatic and that's how it's set up we come into this world in traumatic way um all of a sudden we're cold and it's bright and we're can we don't know what's going on and all we want to do is sleep you know baby's just like i'm just gonna go to sleep <laughs> um because we're just exhausted from the trauma and that is it's set up like that for a reason and it and we're because we are continually needing to go down and then come back up. And um, I am just so grateful to understand that in the way that Christ's atonement works, works also, that he descended below everything so he could understand what we're going through for one thing, but also so that he could ascend above us all as well. And that, that uh, was a realization that personally I had um, and in this, through this understanding, and I've just been really grateful for that. And I intend to continue to study Isaiah and hopefully move up the grades and, you know, maybe eventually feel like I'm in second grade and third grade with Isaiah and um, have that understanding. And it's been really interesting that um, as I've, through the weeks and the last few months as I've studied Isaiah, studied Isaiah, there's been conversations that have come up where I've been able to recall and use what I've learned in a conversation with somebody. And it's amazing how God does that. He puts in your path the opportunities to share what you've been learning. 
And I mean, I think we've talked about that before, how what's happening in the world fits exactly with what Come Follow Me is saying and and Isaiah, and it all just fits together so amazingly. There's no way that, I don't know how anybody could say that, I guess people could, but God, to me, that shows that God is so very so involved and he just knows and um anyway i'm just really grateful for that for that understanding oh thank you it's amazing his patterns that they're they're patterns for a reason and, and we can recognize him through those and how he's working in our lives that way yeah i love it um so anybody that, that that's come in a little bit later we're just kind of sharing testimonies about um uh, Isaiah, how has it changed you? How has this study going through Isaiah decoded and then the words of Isaiah uh, impacted your studies, your life? Um, uh, what insight, what, uh, what single thing came out of it for you? Just anything on Isaiah, just kind of final little testimonies as we wrap up our book club. Uh, we'll hopefully get to a, a few of the chapters tonight, but um, just kind of starting off uh, with these, these kind of testimonies here. Well, uh, what I'd like to say is what they said, I agree with, <laughs> but what I got out of it um, more than anything was that it's going to be hard to maintain your testimony at the end. And we have to remember that when it's hard and stick to our covenants and do the things we're supposed to do and endure to the end and Enduring to the end, I think, means a whole lot more to me than it did before we studied this. It's been an amazing journey. I, my understanding is a thousand percent more than it was, which I think I'm still in kindergarten. So <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Because when you start learning, you realize how much you don't know, and so like, <laughs> it's kind of this this hard. A realization that you come to man yep. i really am such an infant in <laughs> in in isaiah and in, in the gospel because of some of the stuff that i'm learning here yeah we probably shouldn't ever get the idea that we really know a lot about it <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe first grade was too high for me maybe i'm not even in first grade i don't know <laughs> it's kind of funny because i am given the lesson this weekend release society and um, one of President um, Nelson's thing, he's talking about faith and, and building your faith. And he says, we can't be lazy learners. And I was thinking, I, what is a lazy learner? And then I thought, oh, I've been a lazy learner my whole life till the last year, I feel like. But then even with, without Abraham, I don't think I could have tackled any of it without this class in Abraham. So, but um anyway i just wanted to say that mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> i i put myself in that same boat i i think i was a lazy learner before I, I don't know it's probably been five years it started amping up but it wasn't anywhere like this these last few months uh, really uh, it takes a lot of work and a lot of energy but when you put it that much in and and the lord realizes where you're at because i mean there's different phases of your life you know sometimes when uh, you have uh, like my mom she has tons of 
uh, extra time that she can be devoting to it versus like a, a, a mom of, of lots of kids. I mean, <laughs> you're lucky if you can, can, can squeeze in a little bits at a time kind of thing. But um, as, as you put forth a sacrifice of your time, whatever sacrifice that is, the, the Lord rewards it so much. Um, uh, I think that that's a, another huge principle coming from Abraham and um, Isaiah. Those two prophets really uh, help echo that point of, of sacrifices and of um, covenantal laws and blessings, I think. I've been thinking of that um, quote that Kathy just mentioned uh, for President Nelson about being lazy learners. And I thought about, well, we've done EFY for a lot of years. So we're friends with the kids and the um, counselors and all of that. And it's been interesting how many of them have left the church. And a lot of them were really, really upset. I'm not a lazy learner. I worked and worked and worked. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because I'm sure he was talking to them, but I think he was talking more to us, you know? And yet I thought it's so funny because people got so defensive about that. And then how many members of the church patted themselves on the back and said, well, I'm not a lazy learner. Look at me, you know? And then here we are talking about realizing how lazy we have been I don't know, just the different degrees of people, you know, that got offended, those who think they're great learners, but maybe not. That's kind of how I was, you know, I thought I was a pretty okay learner, you know, pretty good. And now I'm realizing, okay, I'm not doing what I should be doing. And I'm really studying and I'm really, and, you know, I wrote that we just got back from the temple and that's why I'm late. And I really kind of like our Dallas temple because we have chairs, not benches, but <clears throat> Um, the aisles go down the side. So my husband and I got to sit by each other and I was just sitting there like my head was hurting because I was thinking <laughs> about so many things and I had like some thoughts come to me and I was trying to figure it out. And, and my husband always says, you just think too deep for me. I'm just simple. So I can't really talk to him about this. I'm like, it's hurting my brain. So I can't even tell you about it. But, but I'm like, there's so much I don't understand and so much to learn. And Isaiah was kind of, I felt like at the top of my, um, at the top of my level of learning. I'm going to jump off right now for just a second. I got a phone call I need to take. I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> right in the middle of her but yeah, uh, <laughs> my first time back to the temple after, I can't even remember where exactly we were in Isaiah, but um, I went to the temple and same thing, my head was just hurting with how fast I was trying to process and, and stuff. I was like, I, I wish I could have went up to that altar and pushed the pause button like so many times, like, stop, I just need to think about this really quick before we, we move on to the next part. But um, I there's so much in the endowment that, that helps us learn. Like it's, it's one uh, play with, with lots of different acts, but man, it can apply on so many levels. And I think that that was another huge eye-opener uh, for Isaiah for me. 
Isaiah unlocked a huge part of the endowment that I had never before considered. And yet I can see it so clearly now uh, going through with the endowment, like, oh, that's what that's about. I've had quite, like, I'm pretty good with symbolism. I, I, I know my way around, but man, uh, the, the key that Isaiah gave to unlock some literary devices in the endowment just blew my mind. Like, uh, Isaiah is so great on so many levels. I love it. Anyway, sorry, I keep hijacking and throwing my testimony in. Keep, <laughs> you guys go. <laughs> I had no idea people were upset about the lazy learner. I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't have any idea that that would bother over everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one thing, it's another. It's kind of crazy. It reminds me of that scripture. When they are learned, they think that they are wise. So, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Does anybody know um, James Stoddard? Are you familiar with like the Joseph Smith Foundation at all? Um, so, uh, he just passed away uh, a couple weeks back or whatever, but in his final testimony, um, he mentioned that he has it on good authority that, that half of the religion department at BYU do not believe that the Book of Mormon is historical. It's just a story that was translated, but those aren't actual characters. They aren't actual events. And so, um, he said, uh, kind of in his, his last umph or whatever like defend joseph smith defend the scriptures because they will start becoming under attack in the last days and um we're, we're starting to to really see that in, in big ways going through isaiah like yeah we can see some of this stuff so clearly but um the the, the lazy learner thing or whatever I, it's so there because uh when we think we are learned uh, we think we're wise, then Satan can use that pride so easily to, to flip switches in our brain and, and get that pride going. It, it, it's a very dangerous road to be on. Stay humble, stay in kindergarten, <laughs> become as a child. <laughs> well, kindergarten's fun. I'll, I'll, be, I'll go ahead and say I'll stay there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so any other kind of final testimonies or whatever, we'll jump into the, the reading, if not. And we can do more testimonies at the end if you think of stuff. Um, I wanted to talk real quick about um, covenant blessings and covenant curses. So I text my, I don't know if you guys know that Stephen and Terry are my parents, but um, do you guys mind me sharing the little tidbit of mom's blessing? Okay. I texted, they didn't answer. So um, I loved learning about the covenant curses and just understanding that a little bit more. So my parents are both converts to the church and um, my mom comes from a family of a little bit of abuse and some alcoholism and things like that. And um, she broke the curse and she stepped into the gospel and you know she chose covenants and um, because of that and her blessing, it talks about how she's like guaranteed a spot in the celestial kingdom. And I just love that. Like, I love how blessed we are just for taking that one step in the right direction. And so just having a greater understanding of understanding the covenant curses and, um, 
just realizing that that all tied in, I thought that was just incredible. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Uh, like I said, group B uh, on Sunday or whatever had, had a great discussion and that's kind of what it was uh, geared towards some of those uh, things about covenantal curses and blessings and stuff. Um, yeah, Isaiah just opens up so many new vistas in, in that light. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Um, let's see, let me pull up the, the chapters. Now I forget which one I wanted to go through. I think it is 63. Yeah, okay, so I kind of wanted to do Isaiah 63 and, and 66. Um, uh, they might seem kind of odd chapters to, to end on, but I think that they're, they're very poignant for, for our day. Um, so, sorry, before I begin, if anyone could raise their hand if they're uh, able to, to read for us tonight, uh, some blocks of, of scripture. All right, so Ross Ann, um, okay. Maybe um, we'll put up here. So this has 19. Um, so let's do like 10 verses. Uh, so if Ross Ann, could you read uh, verses one through 10? And then mom, could you finish us out the chapter? Yeah, sure. Let's see. Okay. Who is this coming from Edom in red stained garments? Who is this from Bozrah arrayed in majesty, pressing forward in the strength of his power? It is I who am mighty to save, announcing righteousness. Why are you clothed in red, your garments like those who tread grapes in the winepress? Alone I have trodden out a vat full of the nations. No one was with me. I trod them down in my anger. In my wrath, I trampled them. Their lifeblood spattered my garments, and I have stained my whole attire. For I had resolved on a day of vengeance, and the year of my redeemed had come. I glanced around, but none would lend help. I glared, but no one would assist. So my own arm brought about salvation for me, and my wrath, it assisted me. I trod nations underfoot in my anger. I made them drunk by my rage. When I cast their glory to the ground, I will recount in praise of Jehovah, Jehovah's loving favors, according to all that Jehovah has done for us, according to the great kindness he has mercifully and most graciously rendered the house of Israel. For he thought, surely they are my people, sons who will not play false. And so he became their savior. With all their troubles, he troubled himself, the angel of his presence delivering them. In his love and compassion, he himself redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit till he became their enemy and himself fought against them. When his people recalled the days of Moses of old, where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put into him his Holy Spirit? Who made his glorious arm proceed at the right hand of Moses? Who divided the waters before them, making an everlasting name for himself? When he led them through the deep, 
Like the horse of the desert, they stumbled not. Like cattle descending the slopes of ravines, in, it was the spirit of Jehovah that guided them. So you led your people, O Jehovah, acquiring illustrious renown. O look down from heaven, from your holy and glorious celestial abode, and behold, where now are your zeal and your might? The yearnings of your bosom and your compassion are withheld from us. Surely you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel recognizes, you, O Jehovah, are our father. Our redeemer from eternity is your name. Why, O Jehovah, have you made us stray from your ways, hardening our hearts so that we do not fear you. Relent for the sake of your servants, the tribes that are your inheritance. But a little while had your people possessed the holy place when our enemies trod down your sanctuary. We have become as those whom you have never ruled and who have not been known by your name. All right. So what do we have here in this chapter? Um, it says that at his coming, Jehovah takes vengeance on those whom he had redeemed, but who yet rebelled against him. So what were some, some things that stood out to you as, as we read this chapter? Um, any thoughts? I'm back through some of my wait scroll back up again I just want to see that just uh-huh just the okay the top just stop part. right there those whom he had redeemed okay so I is it really vengeance or is it natural consequences because I'm not really sure I'm taking a class again I've been trying to get ahead because we're going out of town next week so I haven't really read but I just really think at the day when it burns, did it talk about the burning? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it did in this. Okay. Well, we know that there's the day of burning. Mm -hmm. And I just think that that's the natural consequences of, of people. I think that fire burns those who are unrighteous and sanctifies those and purifies those that are righteous. So is it really vengeance or is it just like natural consequences? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause of course he does talk about wrath and vengeance, but I don't, I don't know. I, you know, they're in the garden of Eden. How does heavenly father dismiss Satan? Not with wrath and vengeance. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if it's so much wrath and vengeance as maybe it's as we know them today, kind of thing, how we use them. Right. As much as it is, it feels like wrath and vengeance. Mm -hmm. Just like those people that were angry at President Nelson's, they were scathing words to those that have left the church. And you don't think I studied enough, you know, and they were really upset and offended and defensive and it felt like wrath and vengeance mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off base. Well, isn't the, there, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Isn't there a quote somewhere that says that in the last days, everything will happen so naturally that if you're not looking for it, that you'll miss it. And so that kind of tells me that, yeah, probably a lot of it is natural consequences. And, and, you know, if, if people aren't looking and realizing what's going on, that they'll think it's just the natural process of things. So I think you're probably right. And could this also be, um, he talks about sometimes those words are actually um, typifying the king of Assyria, that he uses that, um, the king of Babylon, the Antichrist, to pour out his wrath and vengeance. So is it also just what's going to happen? And he's using, and using those words you know how he uses those words sometimes to symbolize? I don't know. That was a thought that I had. So is it like more the wrath and vengeance of the king of Assyria that's being poured out? It's that natural. Like <laughs> that's kind of, I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe. I just, you know, I mean, how many examples do we see in the scriptures of wrath and vengeance? Is it more just natural consequences? The only one I can specifically think of is Christ in the temple. But that wasn't even wrath and vengeance, right? It was making something that holy, holy again, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the only place you see that righteous indignation. I mean, you've got Noah and you've got Sodom and Gomorrah, but again, isn't that just natural consequences of sin and is death? That's the natural consequence, sin of sin, death. Yeah. There's that spiritual death, but then there's going to be a physical death. And um, I don't know. I just, I just don't like to think maybe, and that's not the example we get of a father and a savior that's mean and angry and punishing. I think it's us choosing that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Although, yeah. like, we're although, like, um, that is one sin is denying the Holy Ghost that is not repentable. Like, that's not like one of the worst things. But, like, I think that's right. I can think of several people in my life, Alethea, that one person in particular who um, married in the temple bishop. Well, no, he, he, he actually wasn't at the time, but he um, couldn't stay faithful to his wife. And she tried to work it out and everything. But anyway, when he talked to the bishop, he said, if you don't get this together, you're going to lose not only your, your family, you will lose your business. He was a really prominent doctor. You'll lose your, your business and you'll lose your livelihood. And he did. He lost everything. He lost every single thing. He lost his family. He lost his business and he actually lost his license. So like it like it I think a lot of times it is natural consequences but then it also with like denying the Holy Ghost that's that's burning <laughs> like I don't I mean right. I don't... but that's but still that's a natural consequence right denying the Holy Ghost that's, that's a good... still a natural consequence that's a good point mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and then Shyamalan. Yeah, I like that as well. <clears throat> um, let's see. Anything else from, from this chapter that, that stood out to you? We have lots of comments, Cameron. Oh, we do? Sorry. Yeah. What? Um, like in the chat you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's see. So there was uh, quite a bit of chat about like temples and and getting back to the temples, etc. Um, and then uh, that all oh, that's so sad to hear. So uh, Alethea's uh, favorite missionary companion, sister's husband. <laughs> that's not a mouthful. <laughs> Passed away uh, yesterday of COVID, and they had uh, twelve children, seventeen to three years old, and he was the sole support of the family. Um, so Alethea had some helpful information to, to pass on and has been trying to connect with her all day. And then um, that quote, I, I believe it was Cindy that, that shared it. Um, so uh, it's from George Q. Cannon. Uh, Stefan uh, shared that one. Yeah, thank you. Um, let's see. But um, yes, like Rossanne was talking about, there are quite a few references in here to um, both of, of Jehovah's hands, right? There's the right hand, the left hand. Mm -hmm. And so that uh, those, um, the, the vengeful part here is that the king of Assyria uh, rises up to, to bring the just desserts to those that are wicked. Um, and uh, up where I read earlier, um, mm -hmm. I felt like that was, um, like you had mentioned at the beginning of the call, how it's kind of a different feeling how he's talking in here. And it just feels like um, through where, let's see, how he was talking about, I will recount and praise of Jehovah. Um, and then just scroll up a little bit, how he, he was talking about how Jehovah, these people, um, you know, he, he died for them, even though, um, they, they didn't accept him and they rebelled. It just feels a little bit different than the rest of, uh, than most of Isaiah to me as I was reading it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just struck me a little bit right through there. Yeah. So even in the last days, there's going to be some that have received, uh, greater testimony, greater witness and stuff, and they still rebel um, and and actually not just rebel, but fight against 
them. So, I, I mean, we, we we see a lot in the, in the last days. Um, in chapter 66, we, we see how quickly the, the actual speed of this, it can happen in a day. Um, uh, when uh, Zion can be born in a day, uh, in a city or in a person, uh, but also on the flip side, uh, can go off the rails in a day if, if you choose to go down that road. Uh, and with Isaiah's bifid structure, uh, with ruin and rebirth, punishment, deliverance, all the way up to, to what we're studying right here, with disinheritance and inheritance, um, you get to choose. Uh, that's, that's the beauty of the Lord's plan. Agency is is not free. There's consequences. It it is a moral agency, and there are choices to be made. You you can choose which you want. Do you want life or death? And um, it it <laughs> it here's a kind of that's what Isaiah does best. Delineates out the two options. Here's the two choices that were given in Eden, and here's the two choices given in the last days what will you choose? Take this pattern and choose you this day whom you will serve because you can't serve two masters. And I think that that's where Isaiah 66 really goes to. Uh, let's read that one real quick. We're kind of running out of time. Um, let's see. So how many verses we got here? 22. So um, let's go with Cindy. I believe you were raising your hand. If you could read... Um, uh, one through 11, and then I'll finish out the, the rest of it there. Okay. Thus says Jehovah, the heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house would you build me? What would serve me as a place of rest? These are all things my hand has made. And thus all came into being, says Jehovah. And yet I have regard for those who are of a humble and contrite spirit and who are vigilant for my word. But whoever slaughters an ox is as one who kills a man, and whoever sacrifices a lamb as one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever presents a grain offering is as one who offers swine's blood. And, okay. and whoever burns incense as one who venerates idols. Just as they have preferred to go their own ways, their souls delighting in their abominations, so will I pres prescribe intrigues for them and, be, and bring upon them the things they dread. For when I called, no one responded. When I spoke, none gave heed. They did what was evil in my eyes. They chose to do what was not my will. Hear the word of Jehovah. You who are vigilant for his word, your brethren who abhor you and exclude you because of my name, say, let Jehovah manifest his glory, that we may see cause for your joy, but it is they who shall suffer shame. Hark, a tumult from the city, a noise from the temple. It is the voice of Jehovah paying his enemies what is due them. Before she is in labor, she gives birth. Before her ordeal overtakes her, she delivers a son. Who has heard the like or who has seen such things? Can the earth labor but a day and a nation be born at once? For as soon as she was in labor, Zion gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to a crisis and not bring on birth, says Jehovah? 
When it is I who cause the birth, shall I hinder it, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, for her all. Oh, <laughs> sorry. My, no, that's me. My battery is almost dead. <laughs> uh, rejoice with your Jerusalem and be glad for her. All who love her join in celebration. All who mourn for her. Is that all I was supposed to do? Or 11 too? I think it was 11. I think there's okay. 22. From now on, nurse contentedly at her consoling breast, draw at your pleasure from the abundance of her bosom. I'm going to run and get my charger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to miss the end. For thus says Jehovah, see, I will extend peace to her like a river, the bounty of the nations like a stream in flood. Then shall you nurse and be carried upon the hip and dandled on the knees. As one who is comforted by his mother, I will comfort you. For Jerusalem, you shall be comforted. Your heart shall rejoice to see it. Your limbs flourish like sprouting grass when the hand of Jehovah shall be manifest among his servants and his rage among his enemies. See, Jehovah comes with fire, his chariots like a whirlwind, to retaliate in furious anger, to rebuke the conflagrations of fire. For the fire and with his sword shall Jehovah execute judgment on all flesh, and those slain by Jehovah shall be many. As for the cities who fornicate in the parks, the devotees of one in the center, who eat the flesh of swine and ponds and rodents, they with their practices and ideas shall be made an end of, says Jehovah. For I will come to gather all nations and tongues that they may approach and behold my glory. And I will set a mark upon them, sending those of them who survive to the nations that had not heard the news concerning me, nor seen my glory, to Tarshish, Pol, and Lud, the archers, to Tubal and, J and Javan, and to the distant isles. And they shall declare my glory among the nations, and shall bring back all your brethren from throughout the nations to Jerusalem, my holy mountain, says Jehovah, as offerings to Jehovah, on horses and chariots and wagons, on mules and dromedaries, just as the Israelites brought offerings in pure vessels to the house of Jehovah. Of them likewise, I will accept men to be priests and Levites, says Jehovah, and as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make, shall endure before me, says Jehovah, so shall your offering and name endure. And new moon after new moon, Sabbath after Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says Jehovah. And they shall come out and look upon the corpses of the people who transgress against me, whose worms do not die and whose fire shall not be extinguished. They shall be a horror to all flesh. <laughs> and isn't that the perfect way to end Isaiah? Such a happy note. <laughs> so chapter 66 is, is the end of the, the two-part Buffett structure. So um, uh, he ends it in, um, in, in 33 there on, on kind of a similar note. It, it's interesting. Um, but how to tie those together uh, literally is, is amazing. But I mean, Yes, it, it, they shall be a horror to all flesh is how it ends. But but we're talking about how um, everyone is brought back into Zion here. Zion is born in a day and um, they will be able to, to look upon those who did transgress and uh, and, and see the, the consequences that, that happen uh, from 
uh, disobedience and, and disinheritance there. Um, anything else that, that stood out to you guys as we were reading that? I mean, that's quite uh, a chapter. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Let's see. I'm trying to find the reborn at once. Oh, right there. Um, so who has heard the like or who has seen such things? Can the earth labor but a day and a nation be born at once? Um, this one uh, pulls me back to, to Esdras when uh, I keep thinking that we all studied it, but it was just our in-person class here. Um, uh, we studied the full body of the text of Esdras. Um, and I do have the, the YouTube videos of that if anybody wants to go back and watch them. But uh, he didn't just see Ezra's ego. He's seen quite a few different visions. And um, the one of the woman Zion, um, it's a city that springs up in a day and it scares him. And he, <laughs> he crawls into the fetal position and, and just starts uh, going, what was that? It scared him so bad. Um, he, he's drawing upon what Isaiah is talking about here. Um, that with God, nothing's impossible. And he brings about Zion in a day. Uh, shall I bring to crisis and not bring to birth, says Jehovah? He, it's going to happen. What's prophesied will happen. And um, he, he says, rejoice. Uh, come to Zion. You're, you're going to have to, to, to um, uh, be on the, the milk level of, of that level of the ladder. Um, but there, there is, um, there is plenty, uh, for everyone that, that comes to Zion. <clears throat> um, anyway, I, I just take such, uh, joy and relief from this chapter. Chapter 66 is one of the most hopeful <laughs> sections that there is because we've been through the gamut of, of all the different things, and yet there is inheritance if we are faithful, that we just have to make it through. Uh, enduring to the end is much more than just, you know, uh, looking at your clock and, and watching the pot boil. It, it's about endurance. Uh, are you going to be able to, to hit every single uh, descent and, and come out of it better? And, and keep on doing that and, and rising up the ladder, enduring all of the trials well, so that we can inherit Zion in, in the end. Yeah, I'll leave you. Um, okay, so I know I've talked about talking scripture before. Has anybody else listened to him this week? I haven't this week. No. Okay, so I love, there's, I can't remember the guy's name because it wasn't an important name in church history, but it said something about that the Lord, the, the nations rejoiced when he bowed to the, to the um, Lord's scepter. And they just kind of talked about like, you know, it makes God seem like he's a, like a, like a tyrant or, you know, like our Kings, like we think about these Kings and, you know, and he goes, the difference is when all we have to give the Lord is our will. And, and so when, he, when we bow to the scepter, the king or the tyrant is going to beat us over the head with the scepter, right? But he goes, but not the Lord. When we bow to, his, to him and to the scepter, then he gives us the scepter. 
And I just thought that was so cool. And there was something else they said that you mentioned, and it made me think of it. Oh, and that the way that um, in the scriptures, when it talks about being perfect, and we've talked about that before, he said, um, I don't know. I don't know all the weird parts of speech, um, but the, you know, like the, I can't even think what it's called because they're just weird, but you know, the passive future tense or whatever, I don't know. But he said the way that it's written about telling us to be perfect is not as much a commandment as much as I will make you perfect as much as it is a promise that we will be made perfected. And I just thought that was so sweet and so tender. And so you were talking about, about that. And I just, it made me think of that because I've been kind of pondering on that the last couple of days about how God is just such a loving God. He just wants to give us everything he has and how he's not, he wants us to be perfect and he wants us to do our best but really that's all he asks. And that's us bowing to the scepter, right? And then he will perfect us. I mean, he does that through the atonement. We know that, but we still always, actually, I think what we do is take that scepter out of his hand and beat ourselves up with it. Right. Yeah. I think that's what we do. And all he wants to do is give it to us and make us perfect. And we just, like, it's almost like we take it out of his hand and we don't allow it. We just want to beat up ourselves. And so anyways, I don't know. I just thought that went along with what you were saying. Mm -hmm, for sure. And almost a, a mere image of the little pamphlet book by Anthony Sweat called The Holy Invitation uh, walks you through the endowment, almost exactly what you just uh, talked about there. How, oh, really? <laughs> the, the king and everything. Yeah. I, I love it. I highly recommend that little book. It's, it's really tiny, uh, but it's, it's amazing. Okay. Anthony, so what's it called? The Holy Invitation. Okay. Thank you. Yep. It's kind of like a, a mini temple preparation book, but uh, for, for symbol, uh, symbolism. So how to get, uh, go through the temple your first time uh, thinking symbolically, uh, but it, it goes through, I think it's chapter two. Um, uh, goes through that exact scenario that you just talked about the king and the scepter and how to approach him etc yeah. and Rossanne said that was Warren Cowdery and it was I knew it was like an like we heard the name but it wasn't something that was gonna stick out of course the name Cowdery should stick out but anyway <laughs> that wasn't what I was focusing on because really we were supposed to put our own name and our own selves in the place of him right so I wasn't really paying attention but yeah it was it was Warren Cowdery I just thought that was so beautiful Anyway, yeah. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're already out of time and stuff, but anything else from, from that chapter or if you'd like to still share part of your testimony on Isaiah, um, uh, yeah, just final comments and, and thoughts for the night. It's been such a, a fun group to, to go through Isaiah with. I'm grateful for, for each one of your, your times and uh, talents and everything that you bring to it. Um, uh, we'll be heading into uh, Triumph of Zion uh, here in a few weeks. So next week, nothing. And uh, then after conference, we'll, we'll do that general conference chat and then come back for chapters one and two of Triumph of Zion. 
Uh, anyway, I'm just going to open it up for any last comments and stuff. I'm going to bring up the, the new schedule for Triumph of Zion on the screen while we do that. So are we still meeting on Wednesday? Uh-huh, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. and then try to think, because it's been six months. Did we all meet together, like all the groups for the conference talk? Or did we meet in well, our own groups? I think we did last time. I think we joined everybody together, but this time it'll just be in your normal group okay. hours. That's that's what I was wondering. Okay, I I have to say I kind of I'm just so excited for Triumph of Zion. Like I've already read half the book on on Audible. Yep. I didn't finish reading up Isaiah, but I was like, I'm so excited for Triumph of Zion. You know, my so book my book just came back. today gets you ahead and, and stuff like I'm not not there totally but like I haven't been reading Isaiah as much because I I've read it but I had to go back through it a couple times to lead group discussions and stuff but yeah I've been like cruising on Triumph of Zion it's such an easy read compared to Isaiah it's a lot <laughs> I think I have the book I don't know what happened to it when we moved I knew where it was I might have to order it again and end up with two, but I bought it on Audible and mm -hmm. I'm just so excited. And I'm like, wait, 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 what, what? I got to rewind that and listen again. And I'm just so excited about Zion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so fun. So yeah, we went through the Abraham book, which was kind of the examples of how to build Zion. And then we go through Isaiah talking about um, the, the history and the future of Zion, uh, actual city settlements and and personal goals and now we're going into the the practical application how do we actually do this uh, i i couldn't have planned it better myself but it's not the way i envisioned hey. the the progress there but yeah these are hey cameron um mm -hmm. i just put together remind me who the author of triumph of zion is remind me his name uh -huh. john pontius john pontius, pontius. okay so Pontius did the interview with um, Spencer. Spencer, mm -hmm. and Spencer says in that interview, it's on YouTube. If you want to know what Christ said in the conference center when we were all there, study Zion in the dictionary in the in the scripture dictionary. Um, and then I think this whole book is is just everything he learned about that it's all put together for us and as i'm reading it all of a sudden i'm like this is what spencer told us to study and pontius did it for us mm -hmm. yeah uh in the, the i think it's in the preface or introduction or whatever uh it talks about how uh he commissioned a guy to study all of the the citations for zion uh, and everything, and they came up, him and this this researcher, they didn't know if there was a connection between translation and Zion, and they came up with 880-something references, and that's what spawned this book. Right. He, he collected it all and tried to organize all of those 880-something citations for Zion and how it deals with translation, so I, it's just such a fun read. But yeah, yeah awesome. I had kind of forgotten about that interview that Spencer did and, and talked about that. Yeah. yeah, he talked about all of them being in the conference center. And he said, and if you want to know what Christ talked about, study Zion. And then when we start, when I started reading it, I didn't read that part that you're talking about. I must have skipped over that part. But 
I was just listening to my audibles. I was like, oh, he did all the work. So this is a little bit easier for us, for the lazy learner that I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel exactly the same way. <laughs> um, what was I just going to say? Oh, um, if anybody's on the, the Facebook group, it's called Unblog My Soul. Um, that is kind of where people talk about John Pontius's works and writings and things. Um, uh, you know, Avraham has the Isaiah Institute on, on Facebook and stuff, uh, uh, lots of additional insights. But on the Facebook group for Unblog My Soul, um, Henrik has been, uh, which is a nephew, I believe, um, has been posting some of John Pontius's previously unreleased uh like fireside chats and, and things like that some mp3s of those so uh if anybody's interested those are available on that, that facebook group just as of this last week he's been kind of posting them um anyway so yeah anything else as we uh wrap it up for the night it's been a, <laughs> a fun one and mom's sitting over there silent <laughs> she was so chatty in group b you, you wouldn't even recognize her. She doesn't get to talk very much in our group. She talks a lot more in the other groups. Uh, Sorry, mom. Because there's a lot less people in those. Like, she has to start speaking up. <laughs> I thought maybe she wore herself out in the other group. <laughs> in group B, I kind of railroaded the whole group. We didn't even get to the, the chapters. <laughs> I thought told Cameron, I'm just going to be quiet tonight. <laughs> we like when you talk, Darlene. Sorry that we take up all the space. <laughs> oh, no. I love listening to all of you. <laughs> all right. Well. So we don't meet till October 13th. Um, let me pull it up. October 13th. Yes. Yeah, so October 13th. Confirm our general okay. conference chat yep and then chapters one and two of triumph of zion is october 20th so yeah okay. uh, hopefully there's lots of fun great things at general conference that we'll um be excited about and and, and chatty um I, I don't know if an hour will will quite do it uh, last time it seemed like we went like at least two hours but i'm i'm gonna try not to go super late at night but We'll see. We'll just kind of play that one by ear. I wonder if it might be a good idea to to maybe start a little earlier. That's true. If we're if we're going that late and stuff, would everybody like to start at um, eight p.m. Mountain Standard Time for our general conference chat? I would, because I have to get up first, you know, early the next morning. So this is hard for me. Okay, we'll vote so, for that. Yeah, okay. So, and I'll send out the, the reminder, but hopefully in plenty of time for it. Um, so our October 13th general conference will switch to 8 p.m. for that one. Good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yay, I like it a little earlier just because it's so late here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm all for earlier, but you know, there's some that, that do have to do it later at night. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
if there's anything else, we'll, we'll catch you on the flip side. It's going <laughs> to, I haven't taken this big of a break for, for a while. It's going to, I'm not going to know what to do with myself for a couple weeks. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find plenty to read. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've been going through Visions of Glory uh, again lately, and man, I had forgotten some of the stuff that was in there that's really good. Uh, mm-hmm. That and Triumph of Zion is almost kind of like you need to read them both together. <laughs> well, right. I was reading Visions of Glory again, too. <laughs> it, it's such a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Weeks. Thank you. Bye, Happy everyone. Happy Gem Conference.